Welcome to another episode of the Made of Dreams podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Riley. I'm a singer-songwriter who loves the creative process and talking about it with people who inspire me in the hopes of inspiring you to add a little creativity to your life and maybe find some new music to listen to along the way. So I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, and I've started to realize that I have a go-to driving album, and um, it is Things Are Great by Band of Horses. Anytime I'm in the car and I want to listen to music and I just can't think of what to play, I just say, hey Siri, play Things Are Great by Band of Horses, and then I will listen to that album. Oh, Siri, stop. Hey Siri, stop. (laughs) Siri heard me and she started to play that album. You should check it out, but it's kind of become my go-to travel album, and um I just listened to it basically on an entire drive down to Nashville and then most of the way back and I had my 10-year-old son with me (laughs) and he actually didn't complain at all. It was pretty funny. He was like, you must really like this album, huh? And I was like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I was just driving and not even really paying attention. The songs are just, it just will like repeat. It was pretty funny and then I took him... Uh, My son is 10, and he takes drum lessons, or he took drum lessons before the pandemic, and then when that hit, his teacher canceled his lessons, and then uh, just, like, moved to Chicago, and then I never really was able to find somewhere to put him back in after everything seemed to open back up, and so then I just lately had, like, the brilliant idea to call my friend James Treichler, who does all of my recording and plays drums on my album among many other instruments and is a great producer and I asked him if he would be willing to give Woodrow some lessons and so I drove him over for his first lesson yesterday which went really well and um, on the way home I could tell that he was excited and was like really uh, I think just excited about music because up until lately, he has said that, you know, uh, I don't like music with words, and he would just rather make playlists of his favorite songs from video games, which is not annoying at all. Anyway, on the drive home, he was like, hey, can you play that Band of Horses album that we listened to on the way to Nashville? And um, that was pretty cool. And I just wondered if anyone else had an album that they could just literally listen to for hours on end. Um, I'm also that way with Tom Petty. Anyway, I've got a great episode today. Here it is. Today, I'm talking with Kate Coleman of the band Run Katie Run. Kate may be front and center, but the band's new album, Cowboy Boots with Fishnet Tights, which just came out on April 28th, deeply reflects the community surrounding her. The band is made up of five friends who first met at an open mic night in Georgia. They arranged and produced the album together and Kate says she could see their trust in each other and their friendships grow as the months went by. They had two residencies at Dollywood. An American songwriter called their music a unique blend of rock sensibilities and folky textures condensed into a singular force of energy and power. So welcome, Kate. It's good to have you here. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah. So how's it feel to have your album out? Oh my gosh. I feel like I've been waiting for this album to be out for ever. (laughs) So it feels really, really good to have it out. Um, We put a lot of heart and a lot of work into it. So I'm just so excited. You're an artist, like, you know, that feeling of you're just so happy to have it out because now you feel like you can move on. As much as I love this album, it's like I've been thinking about it for so long, (laughs) but I'm so ready for it to be out, for people to be able to listen to it and enjoy it. And then now I can, my brain is starting to open up to like, okay, well now what, what are we going to do next? So yeah, it feels really good. Totally. That's, I totally relate to that. It takes up so much of your brain space and then it's like only, you know, about it. So yeah, now everyone else can hear it too. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to start off with some of my getting to know you questions. So the first one, you have to sing karaoke. What song are you picking? Oh man, I feel like a woman, Shania Twain. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I love it. I don't know why. Like, I just, 
I don't know if I've ever actually sang that song at karaoke, but that was the first song that popped in my head. Yeah, I <laughs> feel like it's question. a crowd pleaser. It's a crowd yeah. pleaser for sure. Everyone would be singing along. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee, always. Yeah, same. Is there an artist that made you want to become an artist? Yes, Natalie Maines, the chicks in general. Awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. so good. Do you remember the first concert you went to? <laughs> yes, I do. It was... <laughs> It was Backstreet Boys and uh, Pink was the opener. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. hilarious. I bet that was fun though. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I think I was 12 or mm-hmm. like, I was pretty young and I just had the best night of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually really like that new song that Pink has out right now. Never Gonna Not Dance Again? Well, I don't know about that one, but the one um, All I Know So Far... <gasps> That was so good. Yes. Same album. It's called Trust Fall. I've been obsessed with this album. It's it's so good. Highly recommend. Yeah. Okay. Last, uh, getting to know you, what is your most used emoji? Ooh, (laughs) the the big smile face. Yeah. The one with teeth. (laughs) Yes. The teeth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm a a toothy smiler. So like this represents me. I like it. Cool. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you, your band met at Open Mic. Was that the start of your music career or were you grinding away before that? No, my, uh, Corey and I, the guitar player, he's my husband. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, we have a duo called Kate and Corey and I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. So we, we met in Buffalo and we were playing there for probably a year, really like, doing some stuff up there and writing songs and we made our first album up there but we felt like we had kind of hit a glass ceiling up there so we were looking for places to move to and we decided to try Atlanta because my sister lived here she had a teaching job down here so we're like let's just check out Atlanta and see what's going on there so we we just moved (laughs) like (laughs) why not you know we were young and we met high beams which are the other three guys in the band they have a trio called high beams we were just going to every open mic that we possibly could because we were trying to meet people and kind of learn about the scene and where music was happening around town and whatnot and we we met them probably two weeks after we moved here and i just loved them like i loved their sound i just i was like it was like a magnet i just was like they're good they were young they were like teenagers oh yeah i don't know like not that i'm magic or anything i just was like wow these guys are already good but they're gonna be great like they just had this potential that you could see Mm -hmm. in the moment and it was actually a open mic competition and Corey and i beat them so oh you did star yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny But yeah, I just went up to them and I was like, hey, I love you guys and we should be friends. And we just kind of were. So we'd work with them on things like they'd ask, like, hey, we want a female vocalist on this song. Would you come over and do some stuff? Yeah. And Corey records a lot of our stuff. And they said, hey, we just kind of want someone else to try recording us. Can we use you? And Corey said, absolutely. And so like we've just we kept doing stuff together over the decade the last decade or whatever it's been so when I was writing and making my first solo album passed in 2000 like late 2017 early 2018 I just didn't have any money and I thought well I'm just going to use my friends and at least it'll be fun you know to Mm -hmm. record this album and make this and so I called them and asked hey would you mind being my band on this album and that was it I mean it was like without realizing it we had kind of started run Katie run And I think when I started getting festivals and concerts going on for supporting that album, I asked them, hey, would you mind being my band instead of doing all these things solo acoustic? And they said, sure. And I think finally, after like six months of doing that, I said, can we just like be be a band now? Can the five of us? (laughs) And then that was it. Yeah. And yeah, so it was was very organic. You know what I mean? We, Mm -hmm. We were friends. I say it all the time. We are friends first and a band second. We were friends well before we were a band. So I think that's why this, it feels so good and it feels so natural and 
yeah, I just, I could gush for an hour straight about how much I love that. <laughs> so yeah, I'll that's stop awesome. with that. Yeah. That's very cool. I like that organic start though. I was wondering, I used to host open mics a long time ago, yeah. but we never had an open mic competition. Is that kind of like a battle of the bands, but just everyone, you could be solo duo, that type of thing. Yeah. Like it was, it was anything. I think, I don't know if there was any bands like high beams was, the I think the biggest act, which was a trio, and Ian plays Cajon okay. in, in the trio. So he's not even on a full kit. And it was really cool because you actually won studio time. Awesome. And yeah. yeah. It, it, that was the prize, which for young artists, <clears throat> when you don't have the cape, like now we've built a studio in our house. But yeah. 10 years ago, we did not have that. So right. man, that was like invaluable to us to get to meet someone who had a studio. That was pretty good. His name is Eric Tunison. He still has a studio here. It was, I thought that was a killer prize. And I think that's what motivated us to do a competition like that yeah. locally. Cause we were like, that's another great way to meet people and network is, you know, getting a studio time. That would be great. So definitely. Yeah, yeah totally. So you wrote most of the album mm-hmm. and in a couple of weeks, I had read that you said reflecting on your relationships was clearly what was driving you, even if you didn't know it at the time. What did you mean by that? It was just interesting. Like in the moment while I was writing, I didn't, I mean, there's so many songs on the album that are about other people. It's my father-in-law and my cousin who ended up marrying one of my good friends from Buffalo. And you know what I mean? My, my Mm -hmm. maternal grandparents and then my dad's dad, my pap, I wasn't thinking I want to focus on the, like the people in my life and write songs about them. It's just clearly what happened. And only looking back after Mm -hmm. I had written all of it, did I realize like, Oh, I'm, I must've needed that or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, cause I, I, I don't know about you. Like when you write, I, I don't feel like I go in knowing what I'm going to get out of it necessarily. And I feel like it sounds really cheesy, but it is true. Like, I feel like I write a song and then only afterwards do I realize what I was trying to learn from it. Like it, mm-hmm. it kind of teaches me later on what I was trying to what I was trying to get out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Hearing you say that made me think that there have been times when I've listened back to a song months later and been like, oh, like uncovered another level of it. And now I've been doing this a while as well. And it's like years later, your songs actually have a different meaning where it's like, you definitely didn't mean that, but now you can look at it from this perspective and Oh my gosh, absolutely. And and I think that's like what drives me to songwrite. Like it's very selfish. I say it all the time. Like I <laughs> I love nothing more than when people can relate to the songs I've written or enjoy, just even enjoy them. You know what I mean? Just get mm-hmm. a kick out of them or something. However, the process starts very selfishly for me. It's about me. <laughs> I'm writing <laughs> I'm writing for me and uh and and if someone else can benefit from it later on, that is like the dream. But I think that's like, I forget, somebody asked me, I do not remember who or what the context of the conversation was at all. Like, does it bum you out when the audience doesn't respond to a song you wrote? And I said, no, I don't care because I wrote it for me. (laughs) I I didn't write it for them. I wrote it for me. And I, do I notice the ones that people respond to? Absolutely. Any good entertainer would. And you kind of shift and, you know, make your show Mm -hmm. different and better around what you notice people are enjoying but in terms of the songs no it doesn't bother me because I write for me same yeah and I don't know how you are but when I write sometimes I'll start with a feeling or a story and then I feel like I exaggerate quite a bit do you know or like I don't always stay true to life do you feel like you're pretty true to life with certain songs or do you kind of like follow it or or both I don't know that's a really good question actually I think in my mind, I'm being very, like, I'm exaggerating a lot of details. So it probably is a dramatized version of the experiences in my life. But there are some things, like, especially on this album, actually, that are like, I didn't have to exaggerate anything. Mm-hmm. It was just the song, the story that I was trying to capture in the song was just so plainly beautiful that I didn't need to, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I there's definitely other songs in my past, for sure, that I've 
exaggerated just to kind of drive the point home. It's like, you know, that's the, that's the beauty of songwriting. It's like, what is it? Mark Twain that says, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story or something. Like that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I forget the exact quote, but it's something like that. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, that's the point of songwriting. You can make up towns. You can make up a color if you want. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just to make it rhyme or whatever. So yeah, I think I do both. I think on this album though, I didn't have to do it as much. There's a lot of like, I guess a lot of fantasizing on this album yeah. too. Yeah. Is there a song that was, is there a song that was the easiest to write on this album? Hmm, that's a good question. A lot of them came pretty easy, but I think the easiest one was actually. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I have it right here. Like a total story. <laughs> I have to do that too. Like, what are 13 songs? It's a lot yeah. of songs. Um, I'd say pap song, the one I wrote about my grandfather, mm-hmm. because I had the idea. I knew what I wanted to, uh, the whole theme of it. And so it just came so easy. I'd say I probably wrote it in 30 minutes and I didn't have to adjust anything. I didn't feel like I wanted to edit it, which is weird for me. Classic editor. I want to, I think that one came most easily. Okay. Well, in the reverse, is there one that was more of a struggle, needed a lot of editing? Yeah. I have one already at the top of my brain. It's uh, this is all your fault which okay. I wrote about my cousin slash best friend and my good friend from Buffalo I ended up getting married and I had written the chorus. I don't even know when they started dating, but early on in their relationship, probably, I think it was like 2017. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the chorus pretty early on, but I didn't finish it until the end of 2021. And I did this little experiment with myself, which is why I ended up writing a lot of these songs in a condensed amount of time where I had, I'm sure, again, as an artist, I know you get this. I have song starts everywhere on my phone, mm-hmm. on my tablet, on my laptop, on in multiple notebooks, right? So I kind of gathered them all and I put them on these tiny pieces of paper. Like I, I'm a crazy person. As I'm saying this, I'm like, I think I'm insane. <laughs> like made like, I don't even know how to put it, like put paper clips in my, in all the notebooks and gave them a title. So I could like put it on the tiny piece of paper and know where to go to. Anyway, I put all those things in a fishbowl and I would grab one out and I forced myself to finish a song every day. I love it. Yeah. It works by the way. It really yeah. does work. Um, and so I pulled that one. This is all your fault. And I was like, no, because <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just so important to me that I didn't yeah. want to rush it I didn't want I think I was procrastinating with it because I love those two so much I thought their love story was so beautiful that I didn't want to I don't know I just I was nervous to write it so it took me probably like without moving from this very seat probably five hours to write it because I just wanted to make it as good as I possibly could and to capture as much of that beauty and that spark that I saw happen Mm -hmm. Ugh, anyway, so that one was very hard for me. Yeah, that's that's a really fun way to make yourself finish songs. I like it. I'll How probably about- do it again because it was <laughs> I still have a lot that I haven't done. And it was that that worked for my personality. Yeah, that's super fun. So how do the people in your life feel about having songs about them? Do they enjoy it? Um uh I think. Or do yes, they know? For they the, know, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, most of them know. I think they enjoy it for the most part. I think I feel worst for my husband, Corey, because <laughs> inevitably I can't not write songs about what's going on in my life. Like, I can't avoid topics. And I, I've even had to say that to him. We're like, I'm sorry. Like, I just I'm not going to not write the song or I'm not going to not record it. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's part of the burden of being married to me. It just is. Yeah. And I said, I, and you can write your ass off. You should write songs about me. Go ahead. I encourage it, <laughs> you know, cause I, but I, I, it's not that he doesn't, he's so supportive. Like I don't, it does not take away from his desire to want to do it. But I, you know, sometimes it's like, do we have to do that one? It's like, right. Yes, we do. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I actually have a song that I wrote a long time ago and me and my really good friend had gotten into a pretty big fight and there's like 
a song about it and uh, it's such a good song but it was always my closer of of my set and she was like oh I always know that you're gonna play that song you know so then I was like oh man that must suck for her I know and it's not because I don't care about his feelings or like you with your friends not you don't care it's that I don't know it's like my I think if I'm being completely honest it's like my relationship with Corey is so important to me that I feel like songwriting helps me become a better partner. Like yeah. when I, when I write it down, when I get out the feelings, when I kind of get to the heart of the matter, which I'm not good at on my own. Like I need mm-hmm. to write to get down to what I'm actually experiencing. If there was ever a song or something that I wrote that he was just like, absolutely not. I do not want to share this with people. I would respect it. No doubt about yeah. it. But at the end of the day too, it's like, I think it's our job as artists to show that we're trying to give other people songs to heal with, to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's, for sure. there's other best friends out there that had a mm-hmm. fight that can relate so much to that song. And it's yeah. like, imagine how many people that has helped potentially, okay. but it is genuinely how I see it. It's not just because I want a good song or, you know, it's. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I think I quit playing it for about five years and then she's like, why, are, why do you never play that? So now it's back. Good. What yes. a good friend. <laughs> I know. Right. Okay. Real quick. I want to tell you about my absolute favorite can't live without it. Skincare product. I have been on a clean beauty mission and I love Skin X Erin. My favorite product is the pre-cleanse oil. I use that along with her super soft cleansing cloths to take off my makeup every night. It's 100% pure grapeseed oil, all power, no poison, and I swear it makes my eyelashes longer too. So I'm all in. All the products are so simple. There's three oils. My favorite, the pre-cleanse oil a hydrating beauty oil, and a perfecting night oil to round it out. So head over to shopxerin.com, that's Erin, E-R-I-N, and use the code AshleyRiley10 for 10% off. Seriously, try it, because great skin is so rock and roll. Well, I also had read that your, is it bass player, Steven, Mm -hmm. he his one of his songs is on the album. It was like his first songwriting contribution just to the band yeah to this band uh yeah he's written other songs for high beams and in fact art the art of being miserable is the name of the song which and, is a uh, great name i'm like that's right? such a good name i love steven's mind i i really hope he writes more and more going forward just in general i don't care if we end up doing it with run katie <laughs> run i just love the way he thinks about things and like mm-hmm. i just love the way his mind works yeah so the art of being miserable High Beams actually recorded it maybe five or six years ago. And we were kind of deciding on the songs we wanted to put on this album. And he said, you know, The Art of Being Miserable would be a good song, I think, with this collection of songs. And I got really excited because I knew <laughs> the song already. I love, I really am genuinely a High Beams fan. So I was like, really? I would be fine with that. And he's like, yeah, why don't you play around with it and see what your interpretation of it would be. And so I did that and I kind of, you know, tweaked it a little bit, not, not a whole lot, just, uh, I wanted it to still sound like me. Definitely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which I'm not familiar with doing that. I haven't recorded a ton of songs that other people have written. So that was kind of fun too, was like, mm-hmm. and, and but I also made sure I had his blessing. I was like, I changed this. Is that okay? I'm, you know, I, try to really hard to respect other people's vision. Cause I, right. I can be a little tunnel visiony sometimes be like, this is my way. <laughs> That's the artist in you for sure. Well, like they're my, like I said, they're my friends first. So I would never want to like disrespect them or hurt their feelings. So I'm very cautious about making sure that they feel comfortable communicating with me. And so I sent it to him first said, this is what I came up with. What do you think? And he was like, I love it. I was like, okay, good. So yeah. And I hope uh, Adam, our banjo player and acoustic player, he wrote a song for our last project, our EP. And uh, gosh, that was an awesome contribution to one of my favorites from that project. And Art of Being Miserable is one of my favorites from this. So 
I hope it keeps rolling into the future. I hope they both keep writing songs for this band. That's very cool. I also read that the final track on this album probably won't uses some tap dancing as percussion. I think that's really fun and interesting. And you were a dancer for a long time. Is that where that came from? Oh, yeah. I had no intention of being a musician and every intention of being a dancer. I thought I would be going on cruise ships and I don't know, maybe doing Broadway or not Broadway. I had high hopes for myself as a dancer. And tap was my absolute favorite. Growing up, I had tap solos from the time I was eight years old. And so I was writing that song and I just kind of, it's like, it, I just could hear like a little soft shoey type thing. Mm-hmm. And I have a tap floor that Corey got me for our anniversary many years ago. So I just pulled it out. I got out my tap shoes and it was awesome. And I think my goal is like to be able to do that live sometime. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we have a single that we're going to be recording pretty soon where I've already have a tap solo. <laughs> okay, I love it. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's definitely rolling into the future for more yeah. things. So yeah, I was super psyched. And gosh, I know I'm a total gush, but I just love these guys because they just mm-hmm. don't even... Don't even push back. They're, I'm like, I'm going to tap dance on this song. They're like, great. Like, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it's the right group. They don't go, you're crazy. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, let's talk about Dollywood. That's let's. pretty awesome. So you had two residencies there. What does that mean, essentially? So we were there for two weeks straight. Instead of just being like having one night where we were playing there, they asked us if we would be willing to basically live there um, for an extended period of time. <laughs> You're so, like, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It is like, I don't know. Like when I was a little girl, the, you know, everybody imagines themselves as every possible career option. So of course I loved singing. I thought of myself as a singer and mm-hmm. Dollywood is like checks all those boxes in terms of like what you imagined waking up and being a professional singer would be like, like it just, you have a a green room and they put you up in a hotel and they pay for your meals and they just treat you with such love and respect. And then you go out to an audience who's like excited to hear you play and you just, you know, if you're prepared, like I'm crazy prepared all the time you just go out there and you just do your show and it's like yeah it's the dream it's like the dream and you guys have such fun songs I can only imagine well actually I know that you guys went over so well because the talent manager asked if he could write your liner notes for your album because they were so blown away yeah that was pretty cool yeah it was funny because we had two friends that we made at the park Addie Levy and Sarah Jean and Sarah plays fiddle and Addie plays mandolin. And we just hit it off with them. They're such sweet, wonderful women and so unbelievably talented. And we asked them, would you mind, do you want to come to Atlanta and play on a few of our songs? And they were like, yes, that would be great. So they basically came and lived with us for a week and they ended up being on fight the fights and the art of being miserable. And while they were here, uh, you know, they work at the park constantly, like throughout the year, almost every day. So they have a pretty good relationship with Roger, very friendly, you know what I mean? And they they had gone out to, I don't remember, to go to like a music store or something. And they came back and they said, Roger is fanboying pretty hard right now because we're here recording with you guys. And we're like, what? Oh my gosh. And they, he said, he's like asking us to ask you if he could write the liner notes for your album. I'm like, why wouldn't? Yes. I mean, just hard, no question about it. Yes, he absolutely could. And then he just like, I mean, a band couldn't ask for more beautiful liner notes to get yeah. people revved up about hearing the songs they're about to listen to and I mean, he just made us like rock stars. So yeah, we're very, very grateful to him. Definitely. Very cool. And I want to ask you about your song. I've been called worse by a whole lot better. That's a really fun song. What was, was there a real life inspiration? You know, it was, I, yeah, yes and no. Uh, I actually, 
I don't co-write a whole lot, but I was writing with two other women, Kira and Elise, who is in a group called the Waymores. And they're like um, outlaw country. And okay. then Haley Fletcher. And I don't know, we were just getting together to songwrite because we had admired each other, you know, and Haley was the one who said, you know, I've always wanted to write a song with I've been called worse by better. And I was like, Ooh, that's really good. And, and, it, and so we just kind of started talking and I look over and curious jotting down all these notes. Right. And so she just kind of came up with this scenario of like, well, what if we were playing at a bar and you just, you know how you can tell when people are talking about you in the audience. I was like, yep. You know, we all, <laughs> yes. we all could relate to that. You can, t- I mean, it's funny because I think audience and, and I would never want to shame anybody. They're not trying to hurt your feelings or anything, but they really don't understand how much you see from oh, you see everything. Yeah. <laughs> you see everything. So you really do know when someone's talking about you. And I think the thing that really, we were really, that motivated the push was how we're all in our thirties now. And when we were in our twenties, you took everything so personally because you were so vulnerable up there. You're terrified when you're starting out all the time and you have to pretend you're not, which is the worst Yeah, (laughs) to pretend like you're so confident and you're not really. Uh, So we were talking about how in our twenties, like it would destroy us seeing somebody say something about us. And now we would just, we don't care. Right. Like, oh, so, whatever. <laughs> right. I would call worse, but a whole lot better. So, yeah. and then uh, I don't remember if it was me or if it was Haley. I, it doesn't really matter because it just, it got in there and that's all that matters is we used a uh, Dolly Partonism, which is, uh, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. Yes. I love it. I think it. she said it costs a lot of money to look this cheap, but takes was easier to sing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. Well, is there anything, what makes you feel the most creative? Ooh, I think putting, I don't know. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm endlessly in like my bandmates would back me up on this. I never stop having ideas. It's like nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think when I give myself space, when I don't bog myself down with every single thing, when I'm trying to do everything myself, if, if I can give myself mental space, I'm creative. I will always have ideas popping in my head about what would make our live show better. Ooh, that would be a cool idea for a song. What if we made a video like this? Or You, you know what I mean? Mm. I think giving myself space is the best answer I could give for that. It's like, But if I'm keeping myself way busier than I need to be or should be, especially as a creative person, you can't do that to yourself. You really need space to think, to ponder, to be bored so you have ideas. So, yeah, I think that's what makes me feel most creative. Yeah, I like that. And you you answered my next question, which is what feels hard. And that's when you when you make yourself too busy. But I do want to ask you. So I feel like I have ideas all the time too. So do mm-hmm. you write those down or like if you are busy, do you have anything that helps you? Oh yeah, I I definitely write them down because otherwise you could so easily get lost. I it's, I do both. Like if it's something I feel really excited about right away, I make sure I write it down. I have a notepad on my phone and I kind of put it, all my ideas in list of priority. Like, ooh, I want to do this. And like, I'll look at what else I have on there. I'm like, yeah, that goes fifth. Like this one's still first, whatever. And sometimes I don't write it down if I have an idea and I'll think to myself, you know what, if it pops back in my head another three times or another two times, then I'm going to write it down and make sure that, because then it's something I definitely know I want to do. But if it Mm -hmm. doesn't, if it's just a fleeting thing, then I'll just let it go. You know what I mean? Because otherwise... You that can, could be another form of busy. Yeah. Exactly. You can bog yourself down trying to do all these creative ideas. And, you, and, you know, it's just that can get very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I just read this book called Big Magic. Have you read it? Mm-mm. It's Elizabeth Gilbert, I think is her name. And she, I didn't realize it till I was halfway through that she was the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love as well. Oh, A lot okay. of people know that. So she wrote this book called Big Magic, all about the creative process. 
And she has this thing in there where she talks about a book that she wrote and she ended up putting the book on pause and going for like a couple of years and like living her life, doing other things. And then she met, made a new friend and they had this strange meeting. Anyway, at the end, they sit down for lunch and it's like, she was like, well, I wrote a book about this. And she was like, really? I started a book about this. And it was like the, the new friend, she was like, you tell me your idea first. And so she told her the idea that she had the book that she wrote and put on pause. And then the other friend was like, oh my God, I wrote your book. And it was like the idea that ideas jump from one person to another. They're just kind of out there. And it's like, if, if this person doesn't take the idea, then this person, it'll go to someone else. Oh yeah. I feel like that really happens. I just wondered if you had any, had any thoughts on that. Oh my gosh. I think like to piggyback off that, I also think some ideas are meant to wait. Like, like Mm -hmm. she met that friend and it was already done. It's like, well, see, then that was meant to be like, that's, that was the person that was supposed to write it. That's just fate playing out sort of thing. But yeah, I definitely think it's almost like a void. Like the, the thing that came into my head in terms of relating to it is power dynamics in a, in a group. Um, Mm -hmm. I, of course I was going to say in a band, but I think this happens in any group where if one person isn't taking initiative, isn't being the leader, then somebody else will, you know what I'm saying? Kind of the same thing with an idea. It's like, if it's a good idea, someone's going to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. And it's funny because I was also thinking about when I co-write with people, which you mentioned that you have done. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever had it happen where, you're co-writing and you're like, I was going to say that same thing. Or like, yes. I was hearing that same melody. And it's like, how does that happen? It's like, well, it's in the air, I guess. And they grabbed totally. it first. And I feel like that so happened with I've Been Called Worse. And we had written other songs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was other songs, but none that were as good as that one. There was some magic happening in that room. And we were just all firing on the same cylinders. I, I remember so many times and anybody that's co-written and had it go really well, can relate to this feeling where like, I don't remember exactly how that day went. I just remember so many times Kira going, yes, like when we'd get a line down or a harmony down or, and, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. whatever, Haley going, oh my gosh, yes. You know, like you just are constantly screaming yes, because it's just going so well. Mm-hmm. That's the best feeling in the world. It, <laughs> it really is. It's yeah. Do you have any advice for people who are just starting out in music or art or anything that you would say to encourage people? Hmm. I think two things just came to my head is first of all, like you gotta love, I mean, love music to do this. I mean, there's just, it cannot be something that you're kind of good at. Oh yeah, I'm good. I kind of like it. If you don't love it, don't waste your time because it is hard. It is really hard because there is no roadmap. There's no right way to have a music career. Every single person is different because you find the opportunities on your timeline. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's really hard. And if you're not a self-starter, absolutely don't do it or find somebody that is, that can kind of keep you on track. Right. Um, But if you don't love it, don't do it. And I mean, like you want to marry it, like (laughs) you want to make your whole life about music because that's what it requires in my opinion. And I think the other thing I'd say that I wish, I don't know, even if someone had said it to me, if I would have understood it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, don't do an impression of other people. Be yourself. Don't yeah. try to be Natalie Maines. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be what you think the other people in your band want you to be. Uh, speak up. If you're not comfortable doing something, if you're not happy with the way things are going, say something. And even if it means the end of a era of your music career, it's for the best because you're going to be happier that you're not going along with someone else's plan. You, you I, that's again, maybe there's other people that enjoy being a member of a creative thing, but if you're a truly a creative person and you have a vision, do not settle for being someone else's vision, do yours and mm-hmm. don't apologize for it. You can be kind, but you don't have to put up with 
being used or being steamrolled. Like, just don't allow for that. I think I, I did that for too long because I wasn't confident. I wasn't sure if I was any good at this or if I really had anything worth hearing in terms of being a songwriter or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think I wasted a lot of time be not not loving what I was capable of, not seeing what I was capable of. And, and as soon as I started saying, this is what I want, this is what I need to do to be happy. This is what I want to be saying. Things got better pretty mm-hmm. fast, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a really important point because, you know, of course there's a learning curve to, to being a musician, a performer, an artist, all the things. But when it also it's kind of a career where you're putting yourself out there and it requires you get validation, you know? So people tell you like, that's great. Or I love what you what you're doing. And it's like, if you hear that enough and it's not exactly what you want, sometimes you even do it to yourself where you kind of like, well, everybody loves it when I sing sad songs, you know? So I'm going (laughs) to sing those sad songs instead of, I really want to be like playing rocking song, you know? Oh yeah. Like It's just one of those things where you do, it takes some time to figure it out and you do have to just listen to yourself and and then ask yourself again, you know? So it's like, you never stop. You never stop asking yourself, Hey, am I happy? Or what what, what would I want to do different next time? Or, you you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's good. That's a good thing. I think that's the plight of being an artist is you're never quite content. You know what I mean? You're always striving for, to be better and Mm -hmm. and to not make the same mistakes or I don't even know if it's same mistakes, but like you just constantly want to improve. You want to filter, you know what I mean? And I love that you use that analogy of like, well, people love when I do sad songs. It's like, yeah, that you can really get stuck in that so, (laughs) so easily. Like I, people love when I do cover songs. I mean, Mm -hmm. they love it. And don't get me wrong. I love singing other people's songs. It's, I think that's how we all learn. Right. I absolutely love it. I'll never stop. We have covers in our live show because I love it. And, Mm -hmm. but it kept me from putting my faith in my music. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, for I, sure. Yeah. I was like, well, people don't respond the same way to my songs mm-hmm. as they do to others. And it wasn't because my songs weren't good. It's because I wasn't performing them with yeah, the same yeah. confidence as I was the covers. As soon as I started saying like, no, just in mind, this is what yeah. I need to say, you know, having some heart and gumption yeah. behind what I had to say, people liked it. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's more about, how you carry yourself and how you feel about yourself, really, not even how you carry yourself. Don't put on an act, but like, if you are loving what you're doing, people will respond, you know, yeah, people will definitely. see that. And if you're not loving what you do, people will respond. They will. Yeah. Notice or they that. won't. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Or they'll just be like, eh, she's fine, you know, and move yeah, on. Keep on and, Cause there's so yeah. many people out there. I think that's the thing. And Again, like, I don't know if I had heard it 10 years ago, if I would have understood it the same way I do now. But really, like, there's so much competition out there. If you want to think of it as a competition, there's so many people doing this. It's like, just do whatever the you want. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, you're just going to be miserable if you're comparing yourself to other people, trying to appease an audience, trying to make your art based on what people like. You're never going to be happy that way. So you may as well just do whatever the heck you want. Right. You know what I mean? And and find the people that like you for doing that. Yeah. And, and be satisfied with it. It takes a lot of learning. Like you'll never stop. Like that's how this line of thinking stuff. You'll never stop saying, well, what do I want to do next? Or whatever, cutting off people that aren't serving you anymore. Sometimes mm-hmm. you outgrow people and that's okay. That did happen, yes. you know? It definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Always keep evolving. I mean, honestly, and just keep trying to do better. I think that's mm-hmm. perfect advice. Well, what would you say is the best part of doing what you do? Oh, the live shows. Yeah. I, everything, I and I, again, I think my bandmates would back me up on this. I think everything I do is leading up to the live shows for me. Like Mm -hmm. I love, just love playing live. It is 
if I could just write songs, record them, and then play shows, and that was my entire life, that would be just fine <laughs> yeah. with me. I won't bore people with the details or you. You know that there's so much more involved in a music career than that, yeah. unfortunately. All the um, things. <laughs> but yeah, all the things. But yeah, I love playing live. It is like, I mean, I'm literally getting excited now just thinking about it. <laughs> I just you feel like that comes from being a dancer as well. Like I think without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt. And I think being, I don't know how into sociology you are, but I think being the youngest of three, I just was constantly like the entertainer in yeah. the house, like just trying to give comic relief. And I don't know, I just was kind of the ham of the family. So oh, I'm definitely yeah. into that whole like birth order, like all that stuff. I love it. So yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It's very common. Like if there's a yeah. set of three, usually the youngest one is the most outgoing and mm-hmm. vivacious. And my sisters are amazing and super fun too. But without a doubt, if we go in public, I'm the first one on the dance floor you know what I mean like trying to get things started like a lady so you have two sisters yeah two yeah me too okay I'm actually the middle child but I do yeah three girls that explains so much I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm kidding like middle Uh, child and you see those t-shirts where it's like um what is it something about the oldest one is like I make the rules the middle one's like I'm the reason we have the rules and the third one like the rules don't apply to me. Yes, that is 100% true. Just anybody out there that's an only child, like that is absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So funny. Well, is there anything that you would like to share that I didn't ask you about? Uh, No, not really. I, I think the only thing I would love is for people to obviously listen to the album. We're super proud of it. It's very, very personal. I think people can definitely, you can feel a personal attachment to one of the 13 songs for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would love it if people would, to encourage people to come see us live. Because I really think as much as I love what we can capture recording in the studio, I think where we really shine is, is playing live. So um, I would love it. Are you guys it. touring or doing anything to support yeah, we we are playing all over. After the release of the album, we are going immediately into touring. So, uh, yeah, we're going to Florida. We're going to Buffalo. We're going to Kentucky and Tennessee and, yeah, all over. So please check out our schedule at runkatyrun.com slash shows because there are all, all the details and tickets and all that stuff is there. And hopefully we'll still be adding more and more shows as the year goes on. Yeah, definitely. So is that uh, runkatyrun.com? Is that the best place to find you? Or are you guys active on social media? Well, we're very active on social media, but I just always encourage people to go to the website because it's all there. All of our, mm-hmm. you know, our Facebook, our Instagram, the show details, anything you might want to know about us is right there. So that's the best place to find where you'll follow us best according to what you use. But yeah, we have YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I don't really do Twitter or TikTok. Same. I know. There's so much, you know? Yeah. I I feel like I can only, I'm not even good at those, you know, if I'm being honest, like I'm not, I, what I would love to do going forward is do more videos and really focus on YouTube, which you know, we have a music video for I've Been Called Worse. We have one for The Art of Being Miserable coming out. We're t- releasing like 13 videos, one for every song on the album. Awesome. Us playing live in the studio. Mm-hmm. would love to focus more on YouTube because I just enjoy that the most. I think that's how people are experiencing music. If they're not going yeah. to shows, they're watching YouTube. But yeah, I'm terrible already at Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> so I, I can't really add much more to my plate. Yeah. That's cool. Well, runkatyrun.com. And it's been so fun to talk to you today. You too. I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I can interview you next time. Hey, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, that, would be, that would be fun. One of these days, maybe. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and good luck with the album. Congrats. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Made of Dreams. If you're enjoying the show, I hope you will consider subscribing or even leaving a review and five-star rating. It really helps out a lot. And if you'd like to find out more about me 
or the guests or the show, you can head on over to madeofdreamspodcast.com and take a look around. You can also join the Dreamers Digest, and you will get a link to my Creative State Worksheet, which is a little list I put together of some of my favorite tips and tricks for getting yourself in a creative mindset. So if listening to all these artists talk about their work and how they get inspired to do what they do has got you inspired, make sure you grab that resource. And now, here is I've Been Called Worse by Run Katie Run. I'm a call worse. 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 I'm a